Hi, I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we share our weekly messages, and from time to time, you'll see some other things as well. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can contact us, visit bcwc.org. Good morning again. Thank you again uh, to those here and those watching online as well. We're grateful that we could worship together in this way. About a year ago, I was driving uh, our oldest daughter to be dropped off at childcare, and I was going pretty quickly down the main road that we usually went through, and on my right is a gas station. We passed it every day, and on this particular day, somebody decided to come out of that gas station without paying any attention at all. They came out right in front of us, and I didn't have time to react, but something happened. We had recently gotten this new Toyota Brav car thing, and it has automatic sensor brakes. And so, right, before I could even react, the car lurched to a stop. I remember in that moment as the adrenaline is pulsing through me, looking back, seeing my daughter just kind of confused, myself kind of confused, and I uttered out that kind of prayer that we often do when, you know, Things are really bad and suddenly we're okay. Thank you. Thank you, God. In this moment, thank you, used car dealer, you great provider. Today, we're looking at prayer. And in this series of prayer, we're thinking about how we pray, what we pray, who we're praying to. Sometimes prayer is difficult. Sometimes we don't have the words. Sometimes... We feel like it doesn't matter. It won't make a difference. Sometimes we don't know where to start. This series of sermons is all framed around three particular prayers that writer Anne Lamott calls the three essential prayers. Basic prayers that all of us can utter, but all fit in our way of life. They are help, which we talked about last week. They are thanks which we'll discuss today and next week, we get to wow. Thanks can be an easy prayer to pray, you know, when your automatic brakes suddenly work. But it's also sometimes difficult. There are times when it's not obvious to know what we might be thankful for. But I think that we will see today that the prayer of thanks enters us into a new way of being, a new state of mind, a new way to appreciate life, in the work of God in our midst. And so we turn to the scriptures, and we'll be looking at a prayer of thanks, Psalm 30. Here we join in the prayer of the psalmist, who has called out to God for help, and God has responded. We'll begin with Psalm 30, verses 1 through 3. I will extol you, O Lord, for you've drawn me up. You did not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you've healed me. O Lord, you brought me up my soul from Sheol, the pit. You restored me to life from among those who had gone down to the pit. The psalmist is saying here in Psalm 30, Thank you, God, for rescuing me. 
God, I praise you because you have responded to my call for help. And the poetry throughout this psalm will dance back and forth between what was or could be and what happened. From the pit and mourning and weeping and cries to what God has provided, deliverance, dancing, praise. Last week we talked about this call to God for help. This week we find how we respond when God does help. One writer says the prayer of thanks is the human answer to God's answer. So when God responds, we can help but respond back. Thanks is a response to God's rescue. But if you're like me, you maybe think about praying thanks and you think of, I don't know, thank you cards. And some of you probably love writing thank you cards. And there are others in this room, I would dare to admit, that probably don't love writing thank you cards. Maybe even you think of thank you cards as an, an obligation. And so perhaps this idea of praying thanks to God feels similar. <laughs> Something I must do. And we must show God the proper enthusiasm. We must show God thanks because that's what God might expect. But really, I don't feel like it. There is this incredible video online that has circulated of this child, probably five years old. The child's parents are making sure the child knows how to open a gift and express thanks regardless of the contents of the gift. And so in the video, we watch the kid open up this present and see this kind of lumpy brownish object and the kid smiles and says, gee, an avocado, thanks. But this idea of just pretending to be thankful is not what we find in Psalm 30. You don't have to pretend with God. See, the language of the text where it says thanks, or my translation says I extol you, God, it's combined with this idea of praise of commitment, of a relationship. It is not some kind of social or moral or religious obligation. It is an overflow of a reaction to God's character. It's not some required action just to keep God happy. It is how we respond when we see God work around us. Because out of that, we say, thanks. We say, God, thank you, God, who I long to connect with. We say thanks with enthusiasm. And if you don't feel thankful, you don't have to pretend. <laughs> Instead, I would encourage you to pray, God, help me see something to be thankful for. And something happens when we pray like this. We pray, God, I want to be thankful. Maybe you've shopped for something and as you've looked and compared different models, all of a sudden you've seen those things all around you, everywhere. Perhaps you've ever tried to buy a car and as you looked at the model, then you're like, everyone is driving the car that I want to drive. There are not more of them. You're just more aware. And I believe that when we pray and ask God to help us notice things to be thankful for, we will notice the things that have been there all along. And then we can celebrate and give thanks. 
But why does this prayer matter? Why does it benefit us? Why is it helpful? Well, there are two fascinating things, I think, that happen in this psalm to tell us more about the prayer of thanks. I want to read verses 4 and 5. The psalmist says, Sing praises to the Lord, O you his faithful ones. Give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor for a lifetime. Weeping may linger in the night, but joy comes in the morning. Now we've heard that weeping may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning often, right? You've seen it on pillows and stuff like that. But what's happening here is so fascinating. Because the psalmist has been praying about a deliverance that the psalmist has received. And now, the writer is asking everybody else to join in. It suddenly becomes a communal effort. In the world of pain and death and challenge and fears, our prayer of thanks is a bit of a song of rebellion to a dark world. To say, no, there is hope and we will join in together and pray. We will celebrate together because there is more, and God intervenes. The psalmist is using his particular moment of thanks to rally others together and say thanks as a people. To say, we have seen God do this, so we can celebrate. We can know that he is good. We read these lines, the anger is but for a moment favor, for a lifetime, and that may make us uncomfortable. As modern people, we don't really want any anger with our God. We want God tailored to our taste like our coffee orders. Hold the anger, add some oat milk. But divine anger that we find in the scripture is not like abusive rage, but a parent watching a child act with self-destruction. God's anger is always about good, about us becoming who we were made to be. God's actions of wrath are always God saying, I love you too much to let you keep destroying yourselves. And the text says, and in that is just a moment. It is dealt with. And then all that remains is love. Joy comes with the morning. And so we are invited to pray thanks. And see how this thanks can join us together even when we don't know what to be thankful for. To see how thanks might unite us and remind us of God and what God does in our midst in big things and even in very, very small things. We are invited to say thanks. Lamott says this about God's grace. Grace can be an experience of a second wind. Even though what you want is clarity and resolution, what you get is stamina and poignancy and the strength to hang on. We give thanks together. For God is at work, and when we say thanks together, there are new possibilities, new insights, new joy. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, there's this incredible story. Jesus is talking to some of the followers of John the Baptist, and they're saying, Jesus, are you really a big deal? <laughs> is it safe for us to get our hopes up, or are we going to be disappointed? See, we've been waiting for years for a rescuer. 
We've been waiting for hundreds of years for God to set the world right. Things are difficult. These followers of John the Baptist are being pressured by the Roman authorities. They have cried out. And they say, can we give thanks to you, for you, or will we be disappointed? And in Luke 7, 22, Jesus says, go tell John that the blind can see, the lame can walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are coming back to life. The poor are receiving good news. It's as if Jesus is saying, open your eyes and see what God is doing. There is much to be thankful for. The great writer, Frederick Buechner, who passed away just this week, retells this story like this. The follower said, John wants to know if you're the one we've been waiting for or whether we should cool our heels a little while longer. And Jesus said to them, you go tell John what you've seen around here. You tell him there are people who've sold their seeing eye dogs and taken up bird watching. Tell them there are people who've traded their aluminum walkers for hiking boots. Tell them that the down and out have turned into the up and coming. And a lot of deadbeats are living it up for the first time in their lives. I love this story. Because what John's followers get to do is then go back and give this report of thanks. And together, as a community, they can celebrate. So is it worth it to pray thanks? Look and see what God has done. Look and see what there is to be thankful for. And look to see what God will show you about what is happening around us. The story of God is a story we are all invited to be part of. There are times when it is hard, when thanks is rare, when things are confusing, so thank you becomes a communal prayer. So when our story doesn't seem to fit into God's good story, another can say, here, have some of my story. Have some of my thanks. And I will carry some of your need for help. We can carry each other. These are the instructions the Apostle Paul tells the early church in Romans 12, 15, when Paul writes, Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. And then the world will see a God who is doing things. One writer says it like this, Praise is the way the faithfulness of the Lord becomes word and is heard in the world. For people, it is the language of joy and gladness that goes with life and is life in contrast to the silence of death. Salvation is here. You see what happened is that our acts of saying thanks become an act that might point the world to Christ. Thanks becomes a signal to the world of the God who helps. Now, I told you early on there are two fascinating things that happen in this psalm. And if you're the kind of person that likes to fill in blanks, you're thinking, where's number two? It's been a while. Well, the second fascinating thing happens starting in verse 6. Because what happens as the psalmist is looking for thanks to celebrate what God has done in this particular circumstance out there, the psalmist begins to notice some things about himself. This is Psalm 36 through 12. 
As for me, I said in my prosperity, in my wealth, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you have established me as a strong mountain. And you hid your face. And I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cried. And to the Lord, I made supplication. What profit is there in my death? What if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Here, O Lord, be gracious to me, O Lord, be my helper. And you have turned my mourning into dancing. You've taken off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy so that my soul may praise you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I give thanks to you forever. The psalmist begins to look inward and thinks, ah, yes, I remember. When things were going well and I was prosperous, I said, oh, I made it. I'll never be moved. And then crisis came, like crisis always comes. And the psalm becomes not just a prayer of thanks about physical rescue, but in the writer's life. There is a rescue from a misunderstanding about God. A rescue from ideas about God that were unhelpful. The psalmist thought, I'd figured everything out. I'm right. I don't ever have to grow anymore. I've made it. I'm on the mountain. <laughs> Things are good. I have stuff. God must love me. But God's love is always about our connection to God. Fulfillment in God despite circumstances. About living in God's story with God's purpose. It's never about the material things or the material security. So what happens with the psalmist is there is a rescue and a prayer of thanks for, yes, the physical rescue at the beginning, but now a rescue from broken theology. The psalmist discovers that rescue can happen in many ways. And as we pray thanks, and we begin to think about how God has been good to us, we can look inward and be transformed. One writer says it like this, This rescue is not just about deliverance from death, but it's deliverance from a deadly misunderstanding of human security and lively awareness of God's presence in all of life. And this new awareness, not of God being somebody who just gives us stuff and we celebrate but this new awareness of God being present and with us and even suffering alongside us leads us to praise and dancing and joy. The psalmist embraced life as a God-given gift and life itself became praise. See, it can be tempting for us to read Psalm 30 and say, okay, if we just pray enough, everything will work out. But instead, what I think we find is this psalm is about looking and responding and seeking the God who listens to seeking where we might be thankful and discovering God is with us and helps us and will reorient our lives so we might live a thankful existence. A life that can see and believe that yes, suffering is real, but so is God. That evil exists, but we serve a God who cares and acts and defeats it. We discover that praise and thanks can become part of how we live like breathing. The psalmist prays to live and lives to praise that prayer itself is a gift, not just a rule to keep, 
The prayer of thanks not only responds to God's actions, but it helps us and it helps others look for God's work in us, around us. And this has remarkably practical implications. As thanks becomes more and more a part of our life, a thing that we practice by the power of the Spirit, the way that we see the world will change. Lamont says it like this, you breathe in gratitude and you breathe it out too. And once you learn how to do that, you can bear someone who is unbearable. <laughs> Don't we all need that? Recently, I talked with a friend who had been through a bunch of difficulty. And while he was continuing to wrestle with all these challenges and struggle, something small happened in his life, a minor thing. But in the conversation, he simply said, Man, I saw that thing and it just made me thank God for what God has done. And I remind, was reminded who God is even in the challenge. Psalm 30 has become a favorite psalm of Easter time. Churches often read it around Easter. See, for ancient Israel, they expected and they hoped for a rescue, a political rescue, an economic rescue. And they would be surprised by the vastness of God's rescue to come, a rescue from sin and evil and death that we find in Jesus. And as Jesus was approaching his death, his followers were getting nervous about what was going to happen. He had explained some of it to them and they were confused. And in John 16, 19 through 20, we find this passage. Jesus knew what they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, Are you discussing among yourselves what I mean? When I said a little while you will no longer see me, and again a little while you will see me? Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn. But the world will rejoice. You will have pain, but your pain will turn to joy. Jesus is saying, yes, I will go away and I will go to the cross and it will be painful. And you will be disappointed and you will be scared. But joy is coming. Even at this point, the disciples could not imagine the joy that would come that Sunday when the one who they thought was dead was alive. That death itself, their great enemy, would be defeated. That death would not have the final word. That our failures and our pain and our fears and our loss don't have the final word because God chose to suffer alongside with us and rescue us. So we can pray thanks. We can pray thanks as Christians because joy has come. His name is Jesus, God, with us. And the one who was raised to new life is still raising us. The early church leader, St. Augustine, said of Psalm 30 that this is a psalm of the joy of the resurrection. It is about the renewing of the body, and not only of the body of the Lord, but also the body, the whole church. And so I want to read this psalm again over you, and this time, may we look at it as a song of thanks and renewal, not just for an individual, but for the church. This is Psalm 30. I give you all the credit, God, that you got me out of that mess. You didn't let my foes gloat 
Oh God, my God, I yelled for help and you put me together. You pulled me out of the grave and you gave me another chance at life when I was down and out. All you saints, sing your hearts out to God. Thank him to his face. He gets angry. It gets angry once in a while. But across a lifetime, there's only love. The nights of crying your eyes out will give ways to days of laughter. When things were going great, I crowed and said, I've got it made. I'm God's favorite. He made me the king of the mountain. Then you looked the other way and I fell to pieces. So I called out to you, God. I laid my case before you. Can you sell me for a profit when I'm dead? Auction me off at the cemetery yard sale? When I'm dust to dust. My songs and my stories, you won't sell. So listen, be kind. Help me out of this. And you did it. You changed my wild lament into whirling dance. You ripped off my black morning band and decked me with wildflowers. I'm about to burst with song. I can't keep quiet about you, God, my God. I can't thank you enough. That day, about a year ago, when I found my brakes suddenly engaging, it seemed like my future was only collision. There was no way I could react fast enough to rescue myself. And yet the brakes engaged. I prayed a quick thank you, God, in that moment. But is this not a parable for our lives with God? That though we cannot rescue ourselves, that though the world is dark and scary and difficult, He surprises us with new rescues every morning. We are Easter people. We are Christian people. People who know a God who was not afraid to come close, walk alongside us, lay down his life. And like the dawn, arise. So we have much to pray thanks for. Let us pray. God, I thank you that somehow you are a God who can change wild lament into whirling dance. Who helps us and responds, who did act and will act. And we are honest. We are honest that sometimes it's hard to say thank you. God, thank you that you don't ask us to pretend but you just ask us to be near you. That we might notice that you are already next to us. Help us to open our eyes and see things to be thankful for. God, and may you use our songs of thank you to go out into a world, to reverberate across streets of people who think there is nothing to be thankful for. And may our songs become a word to them. And may we together as a community, when we ourselves are struggling with seeing anything to be thankful for, 
May we find ourselves surrounded by people of hope and people of love and people of encouragement, people of prayer and people of casserole dishes and people of visits. And if nothing else, may we be thankful for each other, for your church, for how you have drawn us together, how you invite us to be people of thanks. As Easter people, remind us of your rescue. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Church of Westchester podcast. If you have questions, want to connect, or are looking for ways that you can support God's work at this church, visit bcwc.org. And as you go, through whatever your day may throw at you, I want to share this blessing with you. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you in the wilderness, protect you in the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Go and be the church.